Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. We have seen that there are two primary mitzvot concerning a person's behavior toward their parents. One is called mora, which we have been defining as reverence. And one is called kavod, which we have been loosely defining or translating as honor. The Talmud and subsequent Jewish sources have spelled out which kinds of behavior fit in the category of mora, reverence, and which kinds of behavior fit in the category of kavod, honor. The category of mora, of reverence, tends to include behaviors and attitudes that affect or that revolve around concern for the status of the parents. So for the mitzvah of mora, of reverence, we find things like standing when they walk into the room, not calling them by their first name, not sitting in their chair, not contradicting them in public or even really at all except in perhaps an indirect way. And when we looked at the mitzvah of kavod, we saw more pedestrian concerns, feeding and drinking, taking them places. In modern idiom, we would assume that that would include things like taking them to the doctor's office and the like. It also includes things like making sure they have clothes and possibly helping them get dressed, making sure they are warm and have blankets, etc., Kavod sounds a lot more like taking care of the body of the parent as opposed to ensuring proper respect, the dignity and status of the parent. Given that understanding of kavod, one could be led to believe that it is the child's responsibility to ensure that the parents have food and drink and clothing and blankets, etc., and that they are able to get to their doctor's appointments, etc., and that it is the child's responsibility to ensure that this occurs in every way. And that may be so, but it is important to note that the Talmud and subsequent Jewish sources quickly point out that the money used to pay for these things is, at least initially, the parent's money and not the child's money. So, yes, it is important that the child ensure that the parents have food and clothing and warmth and drinks, etc., and that they have transportation to get to their doctor's appointments, etc. But that doesn't mean that the child has to pay for it. Not that everyone agreed with this in the Talmud. We find in the Talmud Kedushin 32a, Yibailahu was asked, Michel me, whose money is supposed to be used to pay for the physical well-being of the parents? Rav Yehuda Amar Michel Ben. Rav Yehuda said it should be from the child's money. Rav Natan Bar Oshia Amar Michel Av. But Rav Natan Bar Oshia said it should come from the parents or from the father. And then we have a little story where it says, Orule Rabbanan the Rav Yirmiya. So the rabbis taught Rabbi Yirmiya and some say it was that they taught Rav Yirmiya's son, to go according to the one who said it comes from the parents' money. But then the Talmud asks a question, wait a minute, it doesn't make sense. We have a verse that seems to contradict that. 
Nehemar, it says in the Torah, Kaved et Avicha honor your father and your mother. And a similar word is used to describe the relationship to God, as we have discussed a bit, Vinemar Kaved et Hashem Mehoncha, where it says honor, the same word Kaved, honor Hashem Mehoncha with your money. And the rabbis interpret from that, Malahalan Bechesron Kis, just as we are meant to serve God with our money, Afkan Bechesron Kis, so too we should honor our parents with our money. And if you want to say that the money that's used to pay for honoring the parents comes from the parents, what do you do with this verse and this comparison that seems to require that we use our money to pay for the well-being of our parents as well? So what does that do us? And the answer they give is the bitul malacha, to not do work, meaning that a child would have to occasionally or perhaps even often or maybe even in some ways all the time not go to work and not earn more money in order to spend that time and that energy honoring their parents thus the child might need to skip work even if there's a financial opportunity they might need to take a sick day or even a vacation day to go and fulfill the mitzvah of honoring their parents and though the Talmud presents a disagreement between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Oshia, it clearly indicates that the rabbis of subsequent generations taught like the latter opinion and clearly stated that the money spent to provide food for the parents would come from the parents' funds. And this is, in fact, what is reported in the Shulchan Aruch, where it says, in Yeridea 240 in section 5 where it says this that the child feeds and gives to drink to the parent it comes from the parents adds the if the parents have and if they don't if they don't have money and the child has money then they force and require the child to provide for the parents according to their ability. But again, this is in the case in which the parent doesn't have any money to provide for themselves. This, of course, sounds somewhat jarring when we talk about a child having to be forced to provide for their parents. The examples that are given in the sources often include a situation in which the child doesn't have much money of their own and they they have to be concerned with taking care of themselves and their own family but it also may include a situation in which the relationship between the children and the parents uh, is such that it doesn't come naturally to the child to want to provide for their parents and in such a situation the child is required ostensibly by the Jewish court to provide for their parents in that situation. And at that point, and again, I feel as I'm conveying this, the stress of discussing it, it feels like a difficult conversation, a difficult deliberation with which to engage. And yet it's important. And oftentimes it's the place where the Jewish system shows its wisdom and its brilliance by being able and willing to dive into the difficult scenarios and to 
provide some sense of clarity and direction and even some values that will infuse that situation and give it a way to at least outline a possible direction of behavior. But here, the question that comes up, if a child is required in some way to provide for their parents because the parents don't have money of their own, which by the way, is very real in the modern era when people retire at 60 or 65 and save up and then at some point, God forbid, or maybe not God forbid, have to enter into some kind of uh, senior living or some kind of memory ward where, for example, my mother is right now, it's really expensive. And you could have parents who lived well and lived frugally in some way and saved up and were not irresponsible and saved up money. And yet, if they have to be in a memory ward for a long period of time, uh, they could burn through their savings. So, especially for the sandwich generation, if you have people who are taking care of both their parents and their children, and they're trying to put their kids through college, et cetera, and trying to make things work, these kinds of questions about who has to pay and to what extent they have to pay, they come up and they're very real and need to be dealt with. So, even though, again, it's a difficult scenario to report on, I'm glad that we have traditions and we have guidance through which we can try to imagine how to engage with this scenario. And one of the conclusions that's reached is that the child is not required to provide for the parents more than they would give to tzedakah, which seems to mean that the child would be required to give all of their tzedakah money to the cause of taking care of their parents, but no more. But it's also pointed out that if the child has means to provide for their parents outside of their tzedakah giving and they use their tzedakah giving only for taking care of their parents, that this is ill-advised and this is not a proper behavior. A person who is of means should use their means to take care of their parents and also additionally continue to give tzedakah to other causes within the community and beyond. And further, the Ramah, the primary commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, goes on to say that if the parents had many children and some of the children are of means and some of the children are not of means, it is entirely reasonable to expect the children who have the means to do so to care for the parents. And the Ramah says, Levad, and that the people who are not of means are not expected to provide. So where the impulse might be to say that the needs of the parents would be divided equally among all the children, where this would be an avoidable stress on the children who don't have that kind of money and thus might either imperil the level of care that the parents would get because there's less money in the pool or would put those children in a unnecessary financial strain because they don't have the money to provide. In that situation, the children who are of means would provide for the parents. It is expected, however, that the children would provide for their parents as best as they can, but it is not hard to imagine scenarios in which that would become complicated. Other questions that are asked uh, include, what does it mean when the parents really have no money? Because you could also imagine a scenario in which the parents don't have liquid assets, but they have assets that are or represent investment or represent insurance of their future. In that situation, it is expected, according to most opinions, that the parents would sell their non-liquid assets in order to be able to 
uh, provide for themselves. And when that runs out, the obligation of the children to uh, provide for their parents would kick in. So, for example, um, my parents have uh, two homes. They have a home in the Poconos, and they have a home in uh, their home base in Yardley, Pennsylvania, and they are planning right now on selling the Pocono home because it, it is there, and they had always planned on selling that home when they would need it. It was part of their life plan all along. But if it should be that they sell that home and then sell the other home and run out of uh, funds, then me and my brother will have to spend some time and consider how we're going to care for our parents. And it's a very real question, and I imagine it's a stressful question for a lot of families, especially as the age of life expectancy expands into the 80s and even beyond. One more money scenario that we discussed briefly last time when we met is the situation in which a parent takes the child's wallet, or I'd like to give the example of the iPhone and tosses it into the ocean, then in that situation, the child is not allowed to respond disrespectfully to the parent. They're supposed to take it and not lash out and not say something caustic to their parents. However, as we discussed, the child can send a bill to the parent for the money that was lost when the wallet or the phone was tossed into the ocean. The child can even take the parent to court to recover that money if the parent doesn't want to pay it. I love that aspect of the situation because it shows the ability to distinguish between the value of honoring the parent while also maintaining the boundaries that are often represented by money. And as a result, in one way, the parents are the parents and therefore are deservant of and recipient of a certain kind of status and respect that requires that we don't contradict them. And in another way, they are another human being who just threw my stuff in the ocean. And one aspect of that relationship, again, requires honor and mora and reverence. And the other part of that relationship, I wouldn't say requires, but certainly allows for the very reality that on that other level, we are two human beings and you just damaged my stuff. And now you have to make good on that. Money is funny, but it matters. These things have to be figured out and they have to be worked out. They have to be talked out. They have to be understood. It's so much better to have these conversations in advance and to be able to understand how those situations will be navigated financially because once that's figured out, then we can make sure that we honor them emotionally and do the work that we need to do and provide the love and respect that we want and have to provide. (laughs) 